Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Remember, if you'd like to donate a property for our temple campus, it's a tax write-off, do it, and God will bless you. Not only it's tax write-off, but God will greatly bless you. Praise the Lord. Okay, so three encounters. I want to talk about three encounters with the risen Messiah. Three post-resurrection encounters, personal encounters with Yeshua that happened after he was risen and... Uh, there are many of them, but I want to talk, focus on three today. So, Father, we pray you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. You would speak to us, Lord, through the scriptures by the Ruach HaKodesh, O God. Gal enai ba'avita niflaot me toratecha b'shem Yeshua. Amen. Open our eyes. Behold wonderful things from your word. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. We are in day nine. This evening will be ten of the counting of the Omer, which for those who follow this practice, uh, counting up 50 days until the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai, and for followers of Yeshua, the giving of the Holy Spirit on Shavuot, on Pentecost. Some follow it very, you know, biblically, it was the marking of the period between the wheat and barley harvest, bringing an offering of a single omer, a sheaf of barley, to the temple each day between Passover, Pesach, and Shavuot, or Feast of Weeks, and from Leviticus 23, verses 10 through 16. Now, so some, there are many practices in Judaism that have developed around this, and Different people follow it different ways or don't follow it, you know, at all. But just for your information, that's where we are in the counting of the Omer. Uh, but it's a rabbinic practice, and some are, are very meticulous with it, and some, like myself, are not very meticulous with it. Uh, so, but it's, uh, but I, there's many beautiful things that, you know, traditions with it, and there's beautiful devotionals and things that are, are, are that people love to follow, and so, again, as the Lord leads you, it's exciting as we get closer to Shavuot and when God gave the Holy Spirit, poured out the Holy Spirit on Shavuot, we know from Acts chapter 2, and we're celebrating that very soon. It's on our calendar as a congregation. But we're also 10 days away from the 75th anniversary of the greatest miracle of this century. Do you realize that? The, the, the prophetic rebirth of the nation of Israel, an event forecast by the Hebrew prophets, 
prayed and longed for by Jews throughout 1,900 years of diaspora, displacement, and persecution, and spiritually seen ahead of time by discerning Bible commentators and students of the Scriptures for centuries, an event forecast by the Hebrew prophets. The Word of God prophesied this would happen. Amos said, I'll plant you in the land. I'll scout. God says, I'll scatter you. God says through Amos, the last chapter, I think it's 9.15, once I plant you back in the land, you'll never be plucked up from that land again. Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel 36, there'll be a, a, a physical regathering, then a, spir a spiritual renewing. The prophet Hosea, oh my gosh, the prophet Isaiah, all of these prophets, Jeremiah, filled with God saying, I will scatter you in your disobedience, for your disobedience, and I will, I will discipline you, but I will gather you back to your land. From the first a local, a local scattering and, of course, and a, and a return from Babylon, but then a worldwide scattering, and I'll, and I'll return you from the four corners of the, of the globe. And it's going to happen, and it did happen. And it's a miracle. It's such a miracle. And the Jewish people throughout 1,900 years of diaspora and persecution and displacement never forgot it, never gave up on it, read about it, prayed for it, ended every Passover Seder with next year in Jerusalem. May we be back in Jerusalem. and That's really our home. Oh, and then I love reading. I love in some of the books I have seeing biblical commentators Christian commentators, I love when they, written before 1948, when they're reading those prophets and they're saying, it's going to happen. God's going to bring the Jewish people back to the land. And they're saying it well before 1948. They didn't believe in replacement theology. They didn't believe the church had replaced Israel. But they said, no, God's going to fulfill just what he said. He's going to happen just as he said the Jewish people are going to come back. And he's going to bring them. So there's a physical return and then to the land, and then there will be a spiritual return to the Lord. All right? So it's amazing. It's a miracle. All right? April 29th, we're going to celebrate Israel's Yom Ha'atzma'ut, 75th anniversary of the state of Israel. Isn't that amazing? But we'll be celebrating. Jewish people throughout the globe are celebrating it, of course, throughout this month, really, or, you know, as it, uh, the 75th anniversary. We are six days after the worldwide celebration of Yeshua's resurrection, when the angel at the tomb said, He is not here, for He is risen, just as He said. Who anenu po? He's not here. Who anenu po? He's not here. Ki kam ka'asher amar. Just as He's risen, just as He said. Ki kam. He's risen, just as He said. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah, Matthew 28, 6. And we're about a week after that occurred, but when the world celebrates. Either way, I celebrate. I'm glad, glad either way it happened. All right? And there were 12, probably 12, post-resurrection appearances that we know of. Now, not all are necessarily recorded in Scripture. There may have been a, a slew of more of them, where Yeshua was meeting and going through the scriptures more and showing with his disciples, we don't know. But the, the first, the ones we know of, the first 
was to Mary Magdalene, or Miriam of Magdala, which means tower. Magdala means tower. And the last, the last, who knows what the last one was? The last appearance, post-resurrection appearance was, who it was to. The last, probably would, we would probably think scripture, was to John, to Yochanan, or John, on the Isle of Patmos. Right? Revelation 1. And now, now so from Mary Magdalene in Jerusalem to all the way, I, I looked on Google Maps, and 2,000 <laughs> 2, kilometers, or about or 1,242 miles by land and ferry. Uh, but I don't think he needed to travel that way by ferry. I don't think Jesus, what do you think? To go to, go to talk, to, to reveal himself to John. All right, in post-resurrection appearance to John. No, when he appeared. Maybe he took the Orient Express. That's possible. That's possible, but I don't think so. No, no he didn't need to do that, right? So beginning on resurrection, Yom Rishon, let's say Yom Rishon. Okay, if you're in Israel, and those of you that go on the tour, those of you that visit Israel, you see Yom Rishon is Sunday, right? Day one, Yom Rishon, the first day. day for, in Israel, the first day of the week is not Monday, but Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the work week, and, it be, you know, and the day in the evening, evening and morning is first day, like the, Bible, like the Bible. So it really starts with the evening. So... Yom Rishon, beginning on resurrection, or Yom Rishon, he, in Acts 1, verse 3, he showed himself alive, and it says, by many infallible proofs. And he instructed his shlichim, his apostles, his disciples, his, his talmidim, his shlichim, his apostles, and many other followers periodically for a period of 40 days. He then ascended, like someone mentioned a little while ago. Yes, that was another appearance. He ascended, when he ascended, from Mount Olivet, Har Hazetim, the Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives, near Jerusalem, where the Shlichim watched in Acts 1, verses 9 through 12. So they're watching as he ascends. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, let, let's read there, verses 3 through 8. Paul gives a, us a kind of mini-summary of some of these appearances. The uh, Galilean appearances are not recorded, but anyway, here. But this is, he mentions, for I passed on to you, first of all, what I also received, that Messiah died for our sins. Here's the gospel. That Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures. In other words, according to the Torah, Navim, Katubim, Law, Prophets, Writings, the Scriptures, the Tanakh, that the Hebrew Scriptures that promised, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that's the Gospel, died, buried, raised from the dead. It's in the perfect tense in the Greek. In other words, it's, it's happened and it continues on forever. He's still raised and that he appeared to Kepha, or Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive when the time Paul's writing this, though some have died, some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to Jacob, or James, Yaakov, Yeshua's brother, 
then to all the emissaries, all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me, Paul says. The Galilean appearances are not recorded in Mark or, and Luke, but are described in Matthew 28, 16 and 17, and John 21. Now, a lot of running. There's a lot of running by the women and Peter and John. May I say some of us would have been huffing and puffing. Would you have been able to run <laughs> or would you have not been able to play pickleball? No, okay. <laughs> Get in shape. And here are the order of appearances. I'm just going to list them for you. Listen to this. The, the order is probably this. Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, at the tomb was the first one. These are the 12. Then the women at the tomb. Then Peter. Peter, I'm going to talk about that now in a minute. Peter, no details on that, that visit. Then a couple on the road to Emmaus. Couple on the road to Emmaus. Uh, I love what Harry Ironside, who's a great Scottish biblical commentator, he's one who I love, who was before Israel became a nation, always but stood, said Israel's going to become a nation again. Strong on grace, strong on the finished work of the Messiah, strong on the word. And he says that the couple, he believed maybe it was a, a married couple. And I'd never thought about that until I read that. The couple, the two, two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Then the apostles without Thomas, Thomas wasn't there. I'm going to talk about the next one, which was Yeshua comes back and visits the apostles with Thomas. He's there. And then the seven apostles by the seashore, and Peter jumps off the boat and he swims to Yeshua. And then the Great Commission, where there's more than 500 people there, then to James or Jacob, his brother, who was a skeptic. And then the ascension. And then 11 is Saul or Paul in Acts 9. And then 12 would be John on Patmos, Revelation 1. So let's look at the first one of these three. The first to a woman from whom he'd driven out seven demons. What do we know about Miriam of Magdala? Miriam of Magdala. Mark 16, 9, Matthew 28, 1. It says, it says in, it's, we'll just think we'll go over to Matthew 28, 1 for a minute. Let's go over there and just see. Matthew 28, 1 says, about sh after Shabbat began to dawn on the first day of the week, Miriam of Magdala and the other Miriam came to look at the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended. So here she, he goes to her. Now, Mark 16, 9 says, after he'd risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Miriam of Magdala, from whom he had driven out seven demons. Also mentions that in Luke 8, 2, driven out seven demons from her. Turn over to John chapter 20 to learn a little more verses 11 through 18. Let's say about Miriam of Magdala, the first Yeshua chose first after he'd risen from the grave to appear to her. He, God really loved her. God really loved her. Yes, Yeshua really loved her, 
And God really loved her. And Yeshua was God, of course, too. But I'm saying God really loved her to have this happen. Perhaps she had been afflicted physically. Seven demons. Perhaps deaf. Perhaps mute. Diseased. Or a recurrent sickness. We don't know. Seven demons. Perhaps she was involved in self-destructive behavior, harming herself or others. What does demonic activity look like? Self-medicating, perhaps, through alcohol, illicit sex, gambling, or even suicidal. Seven, seven. Not, not even five or six or four or three. Seven demons. And they had been exposed and driven out of her. She was now free. Free of their destructive goals in her life. She'd been healed by Yeshua. And she's the first person our Messiah shows himself alive to after his resurrection. How he loved her. How God loved her. It's amazing. We don't know about her. That's all we know. We don't know. You know, some people, I, I, don't, I don't even want to say, I don't even want to surmise what, or say what some ideas people say that what she, you know, her profession or what she did, because we don't know. It's all speculation. All we know, seven demons and the things I just mentioned to you are some of the aspects, some of the destructive activity of demons and what they cause. And he delivered, he detected, he exposed that and drove them out of her. Maybe, maybe people looked a lot down on her a lot. Maybe people, maybe she, people really thought, what's he doing with this? What's he having anything to do with her? And he says, I'm going to go to her first. She's the first person I'm going to go to right and say, you're the first person that's going to see me alive again. Isn't that amazing? Now, tradition has it that Miriam fled to France under Roman persecution and preached the good news, the besora, the good news, the gospel there, and was later buried, buried in Ephesus, Turkey. It's just tradition. No one really knows what happened to her later on. But she had that good news of Yeshua. She knew he was risen. She loved him back. He was forgiven much, loves much. She loved Yeshua. She loved, and God loved her. The second person, the second one I want to look at is the third appearance. The Lord had a personal meeting with Simon Peter. Shimon, or Kepha, as Yeshua gave him that name of rock. In Luke 24, 34, it mentions a personal meeting Yeshua had with him. We don't know any details about it. This is not the meeting in John 21 with feed my sheep and Peter, do you love me? That's later. That's later and that's when he's with the other, with actually seven disciples at the Sea of Galilee, the Tiberias. That's later. But this is a personal meeting. Before that, and listen, we don't know anything about it. It just says he met with Peter. 
None of your business. It's between me and Peter. My mother would correct that grammar. She, my mother was an English professor, and she would correct. It's between Peter and I. <laughs> it's just our business. Probably the third of his post-resurrection appearances. I can't imagine what it was like. A conversation after revealing himself later. Again, he's going to be in John 21, have a conversation after revealing himself again and eating with the disciples there. But this one, I don't know. Let's retrace Peter's relationship with Yeshua for a moment. He said, I'll never deny you. He aggressively chops off the high priest's servant's ear when Yeshua's arrested, remember? He's a, a tough dude. He's an aggressive guy, defending his, his rabbi, his master. He denied him at the campfire, though. He went out and wept bitterly after his eyes met Yeshua's eyes in Luke 22, verses 61 and 62. Their eyes met, and he went out and wept bitterly after he denied him. He ran to the tomb after Miriam of Magdala's report that the body's been stolen. That's what they thought. And jumped off the boat when he saw him over a week later at Lake Tiberias. In John 21, verses 4 and 7, when he heard he was so excited, he's the first one to jump off the boat and start swimming to the shore. Four or five weeks later, he preaches the first sermon at Pentecost, at Shavuot, and 3,000 people get saved. That's Peter. It's amazing. Yeshua prophesied the intense battle, listen, the intense battle over Peter's life. And this is the thing that stands out to me most. Look with me at Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. This always is the thing that stands out to me most. Yeshua earlier says to him, Simon, Simon, again, indeed, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Simon said to him, Master, I'm ready to go with you and even to prison to death. But Yeshua said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not, will not crow today. You have denied me three times, denied three times that you know me. So, Satan's desire to sift you like wheat but I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned, not if you've turned, not if you've returned back, but when you've turned back, you're going to strengthen your brethren. He gives, has, I think that saved him. I think that saved him. Yeshua's words of confidence in Peter, I think it likely came back in his mind to save him in a time of trial in the biggest time of trial, when he denied him, when Yeshua's eyes, Yeshua looked at him, and he said, yep. And he said, oh my gosh, I blew it. There's no hope for me. And I believe he went out. I believe the adversary wanted to sift Peter like wheat at that time and 
devour him, like 1 Peter 5, 8 says, the adversary walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour, right? And a word in, in the Greek is drink down. In other words, he wants to swallow you up. And I believe he wanted to swallow Peter up with depression and with despair over his failure. And Peter saying, I can't be of use to the Lord. Forget it. I'm throwing in the towel. Forget it. You know, like later on they go fishing. I'm going fishing. You know, forget it. I'm just, you know, this is it. I can't. What good am I to? And I think those words, this is just my belief, the words came back. Peter, he's desired, but I've prayed for you. And when you've turned back, you're going to turn back. I have hope in you. I'm not giving up on you, Peter. You can give up. Though we are, believe not, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2.13, right? Though we believe not, though we are trustless, he remains trustful. He he's faithful. He cannot deny himself. He doesn't give up on us. And I think those words came back after you've returned. Strengthen your brethren. Not only does he have confidence in him, but he, he gives him a job. He says, I'm gonna, you've got a job to do, Peter. I'm giving you a vision for your life. You've got a job to do. I'm not finished with you, and you've got a job to finish. You're going to be used. You're going to take a leadership position. And so I think that's what saved Peter. And the adversary wanted to sift him, but he didn't succeed. Thank God. Now, tradition has it that Peter was crucified. This is only tradition. We don't know. Upside down by Rome in the mid-60s CE. But he died as a martyr, a martyr, another martyr for the Lord. Yeshua had a, that personal meeting with him. The last one I want to mention is what would, when would, would have occurred right now in the time we are, if we're, if we're in that time a week after the resurrection occurred, if we are, and let's just say we are. Let's just say for the sake of today. And David Stern says, it says in Eight days in, verse, in John 20, 26, I think it is, eight days uh, after the first visit with the disciples, and David Stern says it's actually seven days because they count the first and the last really as one, so it would have been seven days. It would have been a week after the resurrection. Eight days after his first visit or seven days with the apostles, he comes a second time in the locked room. We're in John chapter 20. The locked room in Jerusalem because Thomas wasn't there the first time. So a revisit. Oh, I never did go back into Miriam's thing with Yeshua. Yeah, at the tomb where he says, why are you crying? And she thought he was the gardener. Oldest profession, David Stern says, oldest profession. Adam was the gardener. Interesting. Uh, and she thought Yeshua was, was the gardener. Not Chancy the gardener in the... Peter Sellers, old, an old film. Yeshua said, woman, why are you weeping? And he says, who are you looking for? And then he says, Miriam. He says one, one word to her, Miriam. Oh, just, and, and her, she knows lo the love he had for her. But anyway, sorry. But back in, but all this in John 20, there's so much in John 20. And so in John 20, he comes to, the, to, comes to them at, on the resurrection day, it would seem, verse 24, the 12, and Thomas wasn't with him. It says, verse 24, he wasn't with him. And they said, we've seen the Lord. And he said, oh, unless I see the nail prints in his hand, put my fingers in the mark of the nails, put my hands in the side, because the side was pierced, remember? He says, I will never believe. Eight days later, verse 26, the disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Yeshua comes despite the locked doors 
comes through the door somehow. He stood in their midst and said, Shalom Alechem. Let's say Shalom Alechem. Shalom Alechem. Yes, Alechem Shalom, right? Yes, we respond Alechem Shalom. Peace be with you. Shalom be with you. Health be with you. Wholeness be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. I don't, that's not a correct translation here. That part isn't right. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He goes directly to Thomas. Thomas had to wait. He wasn't there the first time. He had to wait another eight days for Yeshua to appear to the group. Interesting. Yeshua makes him wait. He missed the first meeting, but Yeshua didn't give up, didn't quit on him. And Thomas was pretty determined guy, you know, because we know from John eleven sixteen that he was ready to die with Yeshua when they were going to visit Lazarus. And he said, let's go with him and die with him. You know, he was, he was very loyal. Here Yeshua says, put your finger here. Look at my hand, to my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it to my side. Need I say, the, cite the, the messianic passages, the passages in the Tanakh on Yeshua's hands and feet and side being pierced. I'll just mention them. Psalm 22, 16 or 17, depending on your translation, they pierced could be translated like a lion, or they pierce. Either way, but we believe pierce. They pierce my hands and my feet, Psalm 22. Zechariah 12:10 is such a powerful one because I'll pour out upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They'll look toward me whom they've pierced and mourn for him. And then it's a great mourning in Jerusalem. And then in that day in chapter 13, verse 1, the spring will be opened for the, a fountain, a spring for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse from all sin and impurity. Amazing prophecy. It's going to happen. What's going to happen? And then in chapter, in verse 6, it says, uh, then someone will ask him, what are these wounds between your hands? And he will answer, those that I received in the house of my friend. Such a, such a powerful messianic passage, Zechariah the prophet mentions. But not only that, we have Isaiah 53, verse 5. Isaiah 53 uh, is also actually could be translated that way, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. The Hebrew word halal is, can be bored, bored through. That also could be translated. He's pierced through or bore to bore through for our trans, because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our shalom was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So here is the, the wounds still there in Yeshua, and he says, and so it translates TLB, says, stop doubting and believe, Yeshua said to me. But it, no, it doesn't say that. The Greek says, really, stop having no trust, but trust is how I would translate it. Stop having, because apistuo, no trust, and pistuo, trust or faith. No faith, faith. Stop being trustless, but become trustful, Peter. Emu, the Hebrew word would be equivalent, would be emunah, to rely upon, to depend upon. Doubting, listen, doubting is okay. It doesn't say stop doubting. Doubting is okay. Has anyone ever had doubts? You better, or your faith isn't genuine. If you haven't had to wrestle with doubts, I guarantee you, your faith is just something you've taken, but it's not yours. Listen, you have to wrestle through doubts, a lot of them, to real doubts to become, have a genuine faith. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 28, 17, when Yeshua gives the Great Commission, it's fascinating. He says he commissions them 
later on, even with some who are wavering. He says some waver, and he still commissions them. It's amazing. He still commissions them. And the word in there, there for wavering is distazo in the Greek, which means a double stance. They're going back and forth. And he says, that's okay. Get out there. Start. I'm still going to go and take the good news to all the world, you know. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to feel like we're totally ready, right? I, I know people that are like always waiting to be ready. I say, I, I just don't feel ready on there. And they're still in the same spot they were like 20 years, 15 years ago because they never feel ready. Now there's a balance. I know we need to prepare and I know we need to train. Doubting is, is, is healthy. Uh, and, and we, but we trust. He says, Peter, Yeshua says, don't be trustless. Trust me. Trust me. You don't understand everything, but you're going to trust me. Thomas, Thomas has a revelation here. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And Yeshua said that because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are the ones who have not seen and yet have believed. Like 1 Peter 1.8 says, we, having not seen, yet we believe. Having not, we still believe, you know, though we don't, don't have full, full, you know, haven't seen, but we still trust. We still trust him because we love him. We need a revelation, and like Thomas had a revelation, we need an encounter. Yeshua is the great I am, which isn't really the I am. He's the who was and is and is to come, the asher, asher, yeah, asher, I shall be who I shall be. He is the one, and Peter has a revelation. And, and uh, Thomas, by tradition, supposedly died of a spear wound in India where he brought the gospel. Um, another tradition does say Malta, but he was probably also a martyr. And so what an amazing thing. Yeshua comes to these three. He comes to many people, but these three all had personal encounter. He didn't give up on Thomas. He said, you weren't there. You missed it. Too bad. <laughs> You're out of luck. No, Yeshua has a revisit with Thomas there and says, here's another chance. I believe in you and thank God. So, Father, we pray for a revelation to our Jewish people and to those that are, are skeptical, maybe those that have questions, those that we pray for revelation to any of our friends, anyone that maybe says, ah, I don't know if he's it's really true, and, and unless I, you know, we pray for an encounter, God, with them, that you'll have an encounter. We pray for a visit, Lord, that you'll have a visit with those that need that assurance from you, that need that personal encounter. We thank you, Lord, for the visits that you have had with each one of us at different times in our lives, Lord, when it seems like it's over, when it seems like we're about to give up, or maybe it's hopeless, or maybe everyone else thinks we're unworthy of it, and yet you, you love us, and you, you've chosen us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your, these visits, these encounters that you've had with your disciples, your Talmidim, your Shlichim, your sent ones, and that you're alive, that you are a risen Messiah. We love you and we praise you, God. We thank you. And and today, if you're watching, you're here today, you're, you're, you're with us today, virtually or, or physically, and you've never had that encounter, we want you to have that encounter right now with the risen Messiah because he's alive. He is alive. Thousands, yes, even millions of people have experienced that encounter. And maybe you need demons delivered from, out, you know, driven out of you. We, and 
God can do that even right now. Maybe there's been self-destructive behavior and you've been lied to and maybe you've felt like you just turned to something else. To, you've self-medicated through, through something to try to get rid of the pain. He can take that. He can take that. And we say, be gone in Yeshua's name. Be gone in Yeshua's name. Call upon the name of the Lord and be delivered even now. Call upon him and ask him, help me, Lord. Receive Yeshua in your life. He atoned for your sins. He died for your sins. He paid the price. He suffered. He took it all, all of your sins and my sins in his body on the stake and bore all that pain and bore all that judgment so that you, could, you and I could go free and be healed. Receive it today. Receive it right this moment. And if you're receiving Yeshua, receiving Yeshua, in your own heart, in your own way, raise your hand. Say, yes, Lord, I'm, ra- I'm receiving Yeshua in my life. I'm receiving Yeshua in my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Shalom. Bishem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar HaShalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the ruler of peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.